Mark chapter 11, verse 12. <clears throat> it says this, The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seen in the distance a fig tree in leaf, and when he found out that it didn't have any fruit, and when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. I think this is unfair. It's not even the season for the tree. It's not the time for the tree. But Jesus is human just like us, and when we get hungry, sometimes we get on edge, don't we? I'm telling you, we must eat before noon because I cannot watch my lions lose on an empty stomach. I need something just to tamp down that attitude. But Jesus was hungry. And the Bible clearly lets us know that it was not the season for figs. But it said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And this is the key. And the disciples heard him say it. This is the point of the story. It's not that it wasn't about the fig tree's time. I want to look at this from just a couple different perspectives. Jesus, who authored creation, who was there in the beginning, knows how things work. A tree grows, produces fruit for food. Jesus goes to this tree with expectation. Even though it's not time, there is still expectation that Jesus has. With that expectation, the Bible says he reached it and he found nothing but leaves he was looking sometimes I wonder if I'm a tree out of season sometimes I wonder if if I'm that tree that seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and then nothing seems to be growing I often pray Jesus Jesus, please, please be pleased with me. But then I think about Psalm 1. That there's a difference between that tree and us. You see, in Psalm 1, it says that tree was planted by streams of living water. That tree, in season, produced fruit. That tree who was next to the source of its life. And I think this is a great example. Yes, trees produce in seasons. And there are certain times. Even Jesus goes by this principle where everyone's begging Him to come to Jerusalem. And He says, for you, any time is fine. But for me, I must wait until the time when I'm supposed to be there. But sometimes in our season, we don't find growth. We don't find the way things are working out the way we want them to work out. 
We sit there and we say, God, why? How come? How come it's such a struggle? I don't have all the answers. But I do know this, that if you plant yourself by the root, by the, by the very source of life, you're going to find growth. You're going to find what you've been looking for. But it has to be next to Jesus. It has to be in God's presence. And so many times we want to put ourselves in situations we don't belong. We put ourselves in situations that are far from God. Whether it's sin, whether it's, it's just decisions, maybe it's a season of life where you're busy and you lose connection with who He is. And all of a sudden you start to feel dry, you start to feel dried up, you start to feel like there's no life, there's no passion, there's nothing exciting about God anymore. I'm telling you, we must get back to the simplicity of being with Jesus. Because when He comes to me, I want Him to see I am ready, there is fruit and I'm ready to go. But this tree wasn't wasn't ready. It had no life upon it. But I know this, that God will make things grow when we plant ourselves next to Him. I love that, that we always can't see the process. We can't see what God is doing, but I, I'm telling you, I am so I am so convinced that God is doing more than what we can see, even though I can't see it. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Because, see, I believe in this thing called the Bible, and I believe in someone called God. And I'm not just using God as a general term, which our world likes to use to describe everything from New Age philosophy, Hinduism. I am talking about the true God of Scripture. I'm talking about God Almighty, the Most High. I truly believe Him. I've been researching into science. And I watched a conversation between two leading men in their fields in biology and astronomy. And these two individuals in Australia were there amongst all of these people smart people, brilliant people, people of education. And I watched these two individuals talk with such smartness. They educated folk. And you know what they did? They laughed at you. They mocked you. Because you had the ignorance of believing that there is a God. They made fun of you. They made fun of me for holding to a belief that He's real. They opened up to a question and answer session at the end. This gentleman said, I know God. I know him. He's real. I've been serving him all my life. And I believe that he exists. He's more real than what you see here. He is real to me. And what did these gentlemen do? Once again, mocked him and laughed him and said, well, 
if you were born in India, you would be doing Hinduism. If you were born in Africa, you would be a Muslim. So it, it, you're just delusional. And as I'm watching this stuff, listening to these men mock and put down Jesus, all it did was burn a fire in my heart. I know you, God. These men don't know you. They mock you. They mock me. They mock us. They're educated. They're brilliant. And we have fallen for a delusion. But I know this, that he's real. Because, see, what they don't have is what we have. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit confirms and seals and guarantees and reminds us of who Jesus is. We know the truth. I've seen miracles. You're a walking miracle. You're not here if it wasn't for a miracle of God. We don't have to convince you of who He is, but at times we stop feeding our spirit with the very simplicity of life from God, from His Word. Like the tree in Psalm 1 that's planted by rivers of water, moving water, water that brings in nutrients, that brings in life and removes the dirt, removes the filth, removes the stuff that's not good for us. It's the Holy Spirit who washes us and purifies us we lose connections with the presence of God. But when you are in the presence of God, growth happens. And unlike this tree, we're waiting for the right season. We're waiting for our opportunity. But the point of this story, though, in 13, he says that may you never, no one ever eat from fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say that. This is really the point of the story here. Jesus said it so his disciples hearing it. So it goes on and it says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of money changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, it is written, My house will be called a house for all the nations, but you made it a den of robbers. You made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole world, the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when the evening came, Jesus and the disciples went out of the city, in verse 20. In the morning they went along and they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, Jesus, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. This thing was big. It wasn't just a little plant. It wasn't something that if you asked me to take care of your plants, I would kill. This was a huge tree. And it doesn't overnight wither. It doesn't overnight corrupt itself and, and, and die. It is something that would survive even if it was a lack of rain for a while. It was a tree. But Peter says, look, it withered. And this is what I love about Jesus. Because see, a lot of times we are told that we have to uh, baby people. I'm sorry, lead people into better position. You know, sometimes we baby people too much. 
We do. Sometimes we baby people too much. I, was, I showed a video to my wife of this, this little kid screaming in the store, yelling and screaming and acting like a two-year-old. The problem was she was probably 30. We just baby people too much. Sometimes you just need to just be honest with people. You just need to speak truth to people. And Jesus didn't baby his disciples. He didn't say, oh, come along, here we go. No, he was always truthful with them. Even Peter, who gets out of the boat and walks on water and begins to sink. And Jesus looks at him and says, oh, Peter, you almost got it. Good job. No, he said, Peter, have faith. Have faith. And so here Jesus says this to his disciples. Have faith in God. Jesus answered. Look at what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. Peter comes up and says, man, I can't believe this. Guys, check this out. Remember that tree that Jesus with, or cursed? Look at it. It's dead. It's crazy. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. They all pull their phones out and start Googling how a tree could die overnight. You know, they're just, they're just amazed. Jesus comes and Peter finally says, teacher, that tree you cursed withered and Jesus said have faith in God have faith in God what is Jesus telling them that they have lost their faith in God for that moment they didn't put their trust in God and it's not about how much faith you have I'm not here being one of a faith preacher you know you gotta have more faith you got sick because you didn't have enough faith you don't have money because you don't have enough faith Jesus says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you could do great things but it's just what do you do with it what do you do with the faith that you have what do you do with the belief system that you have because if you listen to the people of the world who love science they will tell you that they will only believe things they can find evidence for they will only believe things that they can see and experience and prove with their own eyes and yet the Bible is completely opposite, that faith is confidence in things we hope for, evidence of things we can't even see. We have faith in a God we don't see. We have faith in a God that we've never touched, we've never had in front of us in a visible sense, who's lived here on earth 2,000 years ago, and we are willing to put all of our eggs in one basket because of this guy named Jesus. That's called faith. And why do we have it? Because we believe. We know it to be true. I have faith in God, not because I read a book or not because I go to a school or I have a title named pastor. It is because I know him. I have faith in him. And I don't have to see in order to know he's there. I don't have to see in order to know that God is for you. It's just like when the devil was tempting Jesus. And he says, listen, if you throw yourself off the cliff, you know, the Bible says that he's going to send angels so that you don't even hurt your heels. You'll be okay. And what did Jesus say? Trust the Lord. Do not put the Lord thy God to a test. I don't have to test God to prove his word. I know he will protect me. I don't have to prove and trust and, and Eric prove that he trusts me. I know it. And that's what faith is. And Jesus is saying, have faith in God. Just trust Him. Just believe that He is God. 
And then he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what we have say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. This is why people have a hard time praying. Because Jesus says, listen, if you just have a little faith and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. If you just have a little faith and do not doubt. Why did Jesus say that? I think Jesus is trying to teach us through showing us in a picture something that is impossible. He's trying to show us that it's impossible because all of us know that we cannot go out of this church and look at our, vi our vehicle and say, in the name of Jesus, I cast you into the sea. That's impossible. That's impossible. Jesus is telling them to do something that immediately our minds goes, What? No. And you, you, you expect me to say that and not doubt? And immediately, the first thing we do as people is we say, no way. But Jesus ties it to the next section here. So he ties something that is completely impossible to this. That therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. He ties it to prayer. This is why I believe God. This is why I have faith in God. It's not because I have everything I ever needed. It's not because I have all the resources, endless resources in my life. It's not because I'm the healthiest guy or I'm the tallest guy. It's not because my town looks at me and says, this is a man who is influential. When Forbes writes their list of 100 people, they don't include me. But I don't have to have any of those things in order to know this, that I trust and believe that whatever I ask for in prayer, it will happen. Well, pastor, I've never seen you throw a mountain into the sea. That's not the point. The point is what? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. But it's impossible. Have faith in God. But it'll never happen. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. This was the whole point of the tree. That when Jesus spoke something, it was going to happen. When Jesus told this tree, you'll never eat again. You'll never feed anyone again. You'll never be good to anybody, so I want you to wither. I want you to be done. It happened. But when Jesus speaks to us, what do we do with it? When Jesus tells us something, what do we do with it? Earlier this week, I was in prayer and I thought about when back in Michigan when I was praying and just trying to get my life together, just trying to seek Him. And, and I finally quit working for the GM and was going to go into the ministry. And so I'm waiting for that time. You know, I 
I quit just a few weeks before school, and so I'm still working, but I know I'm going to the ministry, and I'm going to go to school here in Minnesota. And I remember praying, and, and I remember saying, God, I want to do anything I can to just teach people about you. I don't care where you send me. Maybe I should have been a little more specific. But I said, Lord, I don't care where you send me. I don't care. I just want you to be Lord of my life, and I will go wherever you want me to go. And as I prayed that, the Lord says, are you willing to change this world for me? And I said, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want. My life is yours. And I remember praying then after that for a while. I said, Lord, I want to be a world changer. I want to be a world changer. I want to change the world for you, Jesus. Because all I want people to know is that you love them and that you're for them and they can spend eternity with you. I just want them to know you, Jesus. And I will change this world for you. That's what I want to do. I want to be a world changer. I thought about that as I was praying about that moment when I just kept saying world changer, world changer. Later on in that week, in last week, later on in the week, I was listening to someone and they were giving a prophecy and they mentioned the word world changer. And immediately, the devil came into my vehicle as I was listening to this and said, you thought you were going to be a world changer, but look at you. What you got? Who even knows who you are? How can you change the world? You can't even change your town. You'll never be what you thought you would be. And that's when I just said, Lord, I've always believed you. I have faith in you. And God, even if I never see what I believe, I will always believe you. Now I do believe I'm still going to change the world for Jesus. I do believe every promise that he's ever spoken. Why? Because Jesus said, have faith in God. It's not my job to know how it's going to happen. It's not my job to know and to, to understand every detail that's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen. I just know this, that I have faith in God. And as a young, naive minister in training who had the audacity to believe he could change the world, I am now an old, unnaive pastor who believes that he can still change the world. Why? Because I have faith in God. He's never failed. He never will. And this is why Jesus is trying to make sure that we hear this. Have faith in God. 
Have faith in God. Whatever you've been believing for, whatever you've been asking, whatever you've been praying for, have faith that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. And He doesn't have to do it through, you, through, through your resources or your education or your, your, your status in society. He just needs someone who's willing to be obedient. Have faith in God. And believe what you pray for. Believe the salvations you've been praying for. Believe for the financial miracles you've been praying for. Believe for the healing you've been praying for. Believe for the favor you've been praying for. Believe that God is going to do something amazing. Believe, and I'm believing for the revival I've been praying for. I'm believing for a great revival. You know, a lot of times you can go through educational stuff as a pastor, and you can go through, we used to call them boot camps back in the day. And they will give you 52 ways on how to grow your church and be an influential person. And one day you'll end up on the Forbes list. I mean, they, they got all these instructions. They got all these things. And yet I believe this, that when revival comes, revival comes. There's just no, no way to, to do that on your own. Because I do believe that we're going to experience a great revival in this city. And I know this, that when people see it happen and they start lining up at church trying to see what God is doing, you know what they're all going to say about us? No way they did it. That wasn't Pete. Mm -mm, I know Pete. It wasn't his church. Uh-uh. They could barely keep the heat on. It's always cold in here. They're going to say it's God. Because that's what happens when revival shows up. That's what happens when God sends a man named Moses, who's 80 years old, into one of the most robust and dynamic kingdoms in the world. And simply by the voice and the word of God, led millions of people out and end up being one of the richest nations ever that didn't even have land. Because God showed up. You see, have faith in God. Jesus is telling his disciples, what I speak happens. What I say, you can believe. And if you pray and do not doubt and believe it, you're going to receive it. But, but Father, I, I can't see it. You're going to receive it. But I just don't know how you're going to receive it. That's the beautiful thing about miracles is we don't know how. We don't know when. But I do know this. And I know that you're with, you're with us as a church. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. I, I, I get mad when I see these educated people laughing at us for a simple belief in, in God. I get mad. I, I, well, let me rephrase it. I used to get really mad. But now I just say, okay, fine. You can laugh. But one day you're going to meet Jesus, and I pray it's because you have given your life to him, not because you have to bow down and acknowledge his lordship. But I believe in God. You believe in God. Have faith in God. So here's what I, listen, I'm just sharing my heart this morning. Because sometimes I get upset when the devil tries to plant seeds of doubt. When we get frustrated because the mountains aren't moving. Or the time is taking so long for God to do something. I know we get frustrated, it's hard, but I'm just challenging you this morning. Have faith in God. Keep believing in God. Keep trusting in God. And He is going to move on your behalf. Believe it. Listen, you just got to be people who have faith. And if you, just, it's struggle, if you struggle with it, it's okay. Jesus says, there's a great illustration of a guy who says, I have faith. I believe. 
but help me with my unbelief. I'm struggling here. He will help you. Have faith in God. Plant yourself in the presence of God and you will grow. And believe that every word you pray in prayer, God is going to do. He's going to do it. You just believe it and you will receive it.